Welcome to Church on the Hill. This is us. Amen. Amen. We just worship you, Lord, and we're open to your Holy Spirit. Just ask you to move. All right. We're going to trade some more today. Um, God's in the trading business. Um, God is greater. God is greater. What is God greater than? Can you guys start me up? There we go. Everybody say God is greater. What's God greater than? He's greater than you. He's greater than everything. He's greater than the universe. He's greater than um, my problems. He's greater than stress. He's greater than vertigo. Vertigo? Come on. But you know what he's greater than? He's greater than sin. He's greater than sin. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Have you all got your Bibles? Man, get your Bibles out. Bring your Bibles. Maybe you're using your phone. That's fine. But get in the Word. Learn to get in the Word. But thank God He gives us victory over sin and death through our Lord Jesus Christ. The only way over sin is Jesus. There is no other way. I don't care how, how strong you are. I don't care how good you are. There is no other way. No way around it. You can't do it on your own. Do you know if you could do it on your own, Jesus wouldn't have had to have died on the cross for you. Jesus died on the cross for you because you couldn't do it on your own. But what is sin? What is sin? It's a transgression against divine law. It is any act regarded as such a transaction, especially a willful, deliberate violation of some religious or moral principle. Ultimately, it is going in the opposite direction of God. You guys know what sins are, don't you? What are sins? Lying? Did you know that? Satan is the father of lies. I don't want to be associated with lying at all. Not a lying spirit. Stealing? Adultery? I mean, just go start with the Ten Commandments. Start with the Word of God, and He will show you what sin is. He's not hiding these sins so that when we mess up, He said, Ah, you didn't know that one. I'm going to pound you for that. No, He wants to show you what's wrong. That's what the law was for. The Old Testament law was great. It showed us our sin. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24, says that he personally carried our sins in his body on the cross so that we can be dead to sin and live for what is right. He personally carried your sin. He personally carried my sin. And I want you to know, if you've not received Christ, he still carried your sin. You don't have to qualify as a Christian for Jesus to have carried your sin to the cross. He did. Once and for all. It was done for you. That's mind-blowing. God's so great, He just explodes my mind regularly. Only someone who never sinned could pay that price. 
He carried our sin to the cross. He paid for our sin. He died for our sin once and for all so that you could be dead to sin and receive life. Receive the life that Christ deserved. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 30 says, And because of him, say because of him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption. Because of Jesus, we have received and we must access the wisdom from God. We must access righteousness. We have been given the righteousness of Christ. We have been sanctified and redeemed from sin and from the world. The price has been paid for us. It has been done because of him, not because of you. You can't do it. But even though Christ paid every price, even though it is done, let me, let me encourage you. This may not sound like an encouraging statement, but it is. Satan is still trying to get you. Don't we wish, and I've said this over and over, don't we wish that when we walked to the altar and genuinely gave our heart to Christ, that sin would be gone and we would never have to deal with that anymore? Wouldn't that have been great? But sin's not gone. Satan is still here. Now, I want you to know Satan's, Satan's number is up. It's coming up, but just not yet. Not yet. Satan's still trying to get you. Here's Jesus talking to Peter at the Last Supper in Luke chapter 22. Did I miss one? I did. Let's go back. For God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sin, so that we could be made right with God through Christ. God who made, for God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for us. Christ was offered up. He was the sin offering to atone for you. Do you remember in the Old Testament, they, used to, they used, to, used to have to create altars and they used to have to bring animals and kill those animals because somebody had to die in place for your sin. The wages of sin is death and death still had to occur, but God gave away in the Old Testament before Christ came to be able to offer something so we did not have to physically die. Once a year, the offerings were made of bulls and goats. They had to bleed. They had to die because death had to take the place of your sin. Jesus was given by God for that offering for that sin, for that atonement once and for all. No more do we live under the Old Testament rules to where we have to once a year come to the priest and us have a, a bloodbath out back at the altar for your sin. No longer do you have to go a year carrying your sin. You can come to the blood of Jesus. You can come to the cross. Now the veil was torn. Access was made for you. You do not have to go through the priest anymore. You go directly to your high priest, who is Jesus Christ. That's the access that we have, church, to the world. They have no access. They do have access. That door is open for them, but they're not taking it. And their pathway is a pathway of death. Take life. Scripture says, choose life. Nothing you can do to make, can make it right. It's only Christ's work at the cross that will make it right. 
He bore our sins on the cross. He endured the penalty that we deserve that we might become the righteousness of God in him. But even though Christ has, Christ has paid every price, it's done. Satan is still trying to get you. Luke, this is Jesus talking uh, at the first supper to Peter. Luke chapter 22. Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift all of you as wheat. But I've prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. Man, a lot in this scripture right here. Elizabeth was talking to the families that dedicated their children that were dedicated as parents. That Jesus is our advocate. This again is a scripture that confirms that. Jesus saying, I am praying for you that your faith would not fail. I had some, I've had people come up to the altar to pray and say, I don't have enough faith. You know what? That's scriptural. Jesus is praying for you to have enough faith. Not only am I going to lay hands on you and we're going to pray together, but I want you to know Jesus is praying for you. He is in your court. He is on your side right now praying for you. You've got something in front of you this week, today, tomorrow, the next few days, and I want you to know Jesus himself is praying for you. And he knows. He's watching. Do you know what he's doing? I'm going to get off track here. He's watching. What's he watching? He's watching for someone to do his word so that he can fulfill it. Do you know what it says that God's watching over his word so that when someone does his word, he'll fulfill it? Fulfill it? And Jesus is praying for you. He's in your corner saying, oh man, apply the word. That situation you're in, apply the word. I'm watching. I'm praying. And the Father's watching to perform it. Just apply the word. Get out my word and get it put, to, put, put it to use right here. My Father's watching. Do you know he's ready to come to your rescue this week? His arm is not too short to help you in what you're walking through. We had a disaster Friday. I mean, I am literally, I, I, I could have ran out from my responsibility, but I needed to stay. And she's crying, and I just texted back, you're breaking my heart. I'll come. No, don't come. Okay, well, I'm going to send my mom. When I send my mom, I'm sending the Lord. If y'all know my mom, you know that to be true. Sometimes you get a little bit more than what you're looking for, you know, with your... But, and I'm not just going to sit here and just glorify my family, but when you send Pete, Pete, where are you going? <laughs> the Lord's going somewhere else. Where are you going? It's okay. When you send Pete, when you grab hold of one of our youth, when you grab hold of one of our children in children's church that have received God, you are sending Christ to that person. Hey, when you show up at work, the Lord showed up at work. Go ahead. I don't know what you're doing, but. <laughs> Satan has asked for you. I want you to know more than once, probably more than a million times, Satan has asked for me. Satan has asked for you. And Jesus is aware. And he is praying. And he is watching. He is in your corner. First Peter chapter 5. First Peter chapter 5. Stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, 
the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Stand firm against him and be strong in your faith. Remember that your Christian brothers and sisters all over the world are going through the same kind of suffering you are. What did it start off with? Stay alert. And I want you to know Peter is preaching to believers. This is not to the world. This is to believers. Real Christ followers go up against what I believe are three distinct enemies. Satan, the world, and our flesh. And they're all strong. We're warned that Satan walks around and roams around like a lion. And I know many of you know this, that when a lion's hunt, they look for the weak one, the young one, the isolated one, the unguarded one. They're not, he's not going after the group. He's going after the one that's broke away from the group. Do you remember the movie Gladiator? I've already, I've already quoted it once. I don't know if you all noticed it, but Ron, I said not yet. It's what the uh, African gentleman kept saying to uh, Maximus. But when, when they started to fight in the Colosseum, he said, if we will stay together, we'll survive. We need to stay together. Marriages need to stay together. Families need to stay together. Churches need to stay together. Small groups need to stay together. You don't need to be out here on your own because you're a sitting duck. They're marked for attack. The devil's ultimate agenda is to destroy us, not just, just hurt us or maim us or discourage us, but to devour and destroy us. And do you know how he does it? He gets us to bow down to circumstances, to pressures, and to forces of his evil design, hoping to make us yield to him. Elizabeth, in her weakest moment, could have caved and wrapped up in the bed and not gone outside. Even though she broke down, there's nothing wrong with breaking down. There's nothing wrong with that church. Men, women, there's nothing wrong with breaking down. What you're doing is you're getting down to the bottom to realize you need help. I, I wish I was a person that never needed help. That's what my personality lends itself to, is not asking for help. But I have found that I'm in great need of help. In my marriage in raising children, in pastoring a church, in uh, operating businesses, in, in just having a friend. My personality sometimes pushes people away. And I need help. I don't need people pushed away. I need them close in. I want you to know you need help. You need help. Um, that we don't bow to our circumstances. And I have bowed to my circumstances before, and it's bad. Yield to him. Genesis chapter 4, verse 7. It says, if you do what's right, you will, not, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must rule over it. This language is personifying sin as a demon crouching like a crazed animal at your doorstep. Don't be fooled, church. Christians live in denial many times, believing that there is no danger there. It is at your doorstep ready to pounce. 
But the work of the cross, the sacrifice that was made, has been made available. What's been made available is the power over sin. Christ has already given you the power, but you must rule over it. Christ has already done it. You must rule. You have been given the authority. Have you ever had a boss that wouldn't take the authority to do what was right and you wound up with just a mess? If he would take authority, things would straighten out. It might be tough because the leader sometimes doesn't go in exactly the right direction, but at least someone's leading. Christ has paid the price and given you the authority to rule over sin. It's done, but you have to rule. If he says you can rule over sin, does that mean we can win over sin? Yes. I can win over sin. He wouldn't tell us to rule over something that we couldn't do. Romans chapter 6, verse 6. It says, For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that boldly, so that, the bold, so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin, because anyone who has died has been free from sin. Death, when you're dead, sin can't get to you. Your wife can't get to you. Your job can't get to you. Your financial problems can't get to you. You're free. When you are dead to sin, sin has no power over you anymore. When you received Christ, who took your sins to the grave, to death, he took sin to death and left him there, paid the price. We, those that follow Christ, are dead to sin. Sin has no power over someone that's dead, which makes us no longer slaves to sin. Did you know that, that, that slaves, did you know that Christians can be slaves to sin? I want you to know there are people, Christians out there, that would say that, that they can't sin anymore. And I'm like, Where'd you read that? I want to read that. Because maybe something went wrong in my salvation. Maybe I missed something. Maybe I missed a step. Where did you get that? My scripture tells me that sin's crouching at my door. And that I've been given a free will and I can make choices. But that I've been given the ability to make the right choice. I am equipped, I have it in my bag, in my tool arsenal, I have the tools necessary to win over my decisions, regardless of how bad of a decision maker you are, or I am. Verse 11, next scripture. Um, actually, I'm going to jump a couple scriptures. Maybe I'm not. Can you get forward me? Verse 11. In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive in God and Christ. Sin tries to sneak in, and let me tell you, men and women, it's, it's subtle, but all of a sudden, there it is. You know what you say? Oh, 
I'm dead. I'm dead to you. I'm dead to you. I am dead to you. Verse 12, next verse. Help me out back there, Mikey. I'm just going to let you do it. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. In the same way, count yourself in sin, but alive in God. Therefore, do not let sin reign. Do not let. Again, it puts it back onto us. We can pray and we can pray and we can pray. Then we have to do. Do not let. Shun all appearances of evil. I've had a situation where people have come to me and said, can I do this? And I'm like, I really don't see any problem with it, except there is an appearance. There's an appearance problem. I know your heart. I know nothing's going on, but there's the appearance. And Scripture says, shun even the appearance. Stay away from evil. Do not let sin reign in your body. If you're born again, do not let. If you do, you'll fall back into the bondage of sin and obey sin. We are dead to the power of sin, but we still have our flesh. Do not sin reign in your mortal body. That means that even though we're dead to sin's enslaving power, we are not dead to all of its influence. It can still influence you. Verse 13, next verse. Don't offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness. What does it say? Don't offer our part. Don't offer yourself to sin. Offer yourself to God. Don't offer a little part of you and the rest of yourself to God, offer all of yourself to God. God offered all of himself to us so that we would not have these things that would come and get us anymore as long as we offered ourselves back to him. It's a mutual agreement. He's paid the price, but we have to receive and believe. It's a two-way street. He did it all, but we have to receive it. Sin's still crouching. You have a choice, and you are stronger with Christ to overcome the choice. Romans chapter 12, verse 1. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because, all, because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This truly, this is truly the way to worship him. We've been talking about worship. How do you worship? Offer yourself. Don't copy the, the behaviors and customs of the world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Young people, you want to know what your future is? Go by this. You want to know what the will of God is? It's you giving yourself to Him. Give yourself to Him, and now the steps will start coming. The steps of the righteous are ordered of the Lord. We no longer offer sacrifices of old, the Old Testament animals. We offer ourselves a living sacrifice for Christ. This is the way to worship Him. 
I want to ask you something. Is your life a life of transformation? If you consider yourself a Christ follower, your life should be transforming. You should be changing. How did Scripture show us how we should be changing? Changing the way we think. Has your thinking changed or are you still the same person? Something has gone wrong. My thinking has to change. When God transforms us, changing our thinking to His thinking, we learn and begin to walk in God's will for us, which says is good and pleasing and perfect. God's will for my life is perfect. God's will for your life is perfect. Romans 6, 14, for sin shall no longer be your master because you are not under the law, but under grace. Man. Sin is no longer your master. Let's just stop there. I've got more. Man, this is so good. Now, I wasn't planning on being done with sin today. But I know this feels like a salvation message, and it is. But this is a message for the church. These scriptures I'm reading to you is for the church. For the church to realize that sin is still trying to get you. And I know sin is trying to drag you down. Do you know that after Jesus was baptized and the Holy Spirit fell upon him, do you know what came immediately? Temptation. Immediately. He was taken out into the desert and was tempted. You've, you've made a step toward Christ. You've made a step toward church. You're trying to serve God. And all hell is coming at you. And I want you to know, Jesus is praying for you. We, as a staff, as a deacon board, as leadership, as life, life group leaders, we are praying for you. We are warring for you. And you know what? As leaders, we're warring for each other. Because sin is at our doorstep. And disaster is right there waiting to take us. But I want you to know it can't have us. I say no. We're sitting there singing. We say yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, yes, Lord. We say yes, Lord, to trading our sorrows. And we say no to sin. Why? Because I've been given the power to say no to sin. What are you struggling with? It's time to say no. It may be the hardest decision you ever make, but say no. Get out of it. Church, help your children get out of it. Don't be a passive parent. Help your children say no. That's going to take the wisdom of God. It takes the wisdom of God for my parents to reach me. Because I put walls up. Your kids put walls up. I love my parents. I think they love me with all their heart. But somehow in this world, this fallen world, things happen when correction comes. And I've got to say no to, I've got to, say no to the, the spirit that tells me I can't receive correction or I shouldn't receive correction. And they've got to say no in their approaches that sometimes Satan tries to throw through them to get me not to hear. That may not have made any sense, 
But what I'm saying is we as parents have to use God to reach our kids. If not, we're not going to reach them. Did that make any sense? I'm sorry, my parents don't hear from Satan, but parents have to hear from God. How many of you tried to talk to your kids and you don't get through? How many of you have tried to talk to kids and you got through? Say no. Everybody say no. What are you facing? What is at your door? Say no. I say no. You ever say no to a dog? No! That sin's worse than a dog. You ever have a stray dog come up to you and scare you? What do you do? You say no, and you say it with passion. And you know what? If they get close enough, you're going to bust them one. And I'm not saying to beat dogs. But are you not going to defend yourself? Sin is crouching at your door. And God has given us the power to say no and to drive that force out. Parents, you need the Lord to reach your children. Kids, you need the Lord to receive from your parents. Y'all stand up with me. Father, in Jesus' name, we just acknowledge your power that, that was, that was made, made a way for us at the cross. Jesus Christ, we thank you so much. Thank God that you have paid the price for us that you have made a way for us to be able to walk out of this prison of sin that we're in and walk out in victory. I just plead the blood of Jesus over this body right now. And that, Lord, that you would give us the faith to say no. Give us the strength and courage to get into your word. You are looking over your word, waiting to perform it. I thank you that this is going to be a church that has victory over sin. We are going to have victory over sin. Because we are going to access the power of Christ. What are you battling? Have you received Christ as your Lord and Savior? Would you do that today? Quit fighting the world. Quit fighting your flesh. And it's time to give in and say, I need you, Jesus. I can't do this any longer. Would you do that? I want you to walk this aisle if that's you and receive Christ. We want to pray with you. Those praying with me, come on down. What else are you battling? Are you battling a financial disaster? Are you battling a health disaster? Are you battling a family disaster? Are you battling? What are you battling? Let's give it to the Lord. Let's take our burdens to the Lord and leave it there. I thank you, Lord, that you are just waiting to help us. You have paid every price. And we're going to access it right now. In Jesus' name. Amen.